John chapter 14 verse 1. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. We're going to be, we're going to be hitting a whole lot of scripture today. If you know where they are and you're quick to turn, go right ahead. But you may want to write down. You've got a place on your bulletin for notes. I would suggest having a pencil, pencil pen ready and write down some scriptures. This is a very important message today. Extremely important. And uh, I hope that it, it goes well. And I hope that you will get a CD. You, you will have to listen to it again. Um, you, if, you, if this touches your heart, then you're going to have to listen to it again. And you will want to give this CD to others. It is a critical, critical issue within the church. And I'm going to explain why here in a minute. But first, John chapter 14, verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. <clears throat> in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Do you believe that? Amen. Most People who call themselves Christians, who go to church from time to time, or maybe all the time, don't believe it. They actually call Jesus a liar by not believing this right here. I am shocked at how many people who call themselves Christians who say, as long as that person is faithful in their religion, no matter what it is, they're okay. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. <clears throat> now, two weeks ago, we had, uh, I got uh, a message from Dan, and I mentioned last week that you know, I was trying to get to this subject last week, but no way. And now that I've had a whole nother week to prepare for it, I understand why God held it up for another week. Dan, was he's always looking through the United Methodist news and looking at articles and where the United Methodists stand on certain issues. And there was a Reverend Bill Lawrence who wrote an article for the United Methodist News Organization. And he was talking about how troubling it was and how it's a danger to the ministry that he performs about the Texas abortion law. Pick up heartbeat, no abortion. That's not good enough for me, but it's a huge step in the right direction. But this minister, been minister for 50 years in the United Methodist Church, <clears throat> professor 
at Theological Seminary over here, at Duke, whatever. And he was talking about his concern about this law in Texas. Dan responded to him. Well, he responded to the news organization. The news organization sent his response to Reverend Bill Lawrence. Bill Lawrence sent Dan a full-page letter in return. And then Dan responded back to him again with about a full page. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. You know, Jesus was so good at talking to the woman at the well, exposing how sinful she was in a way that it didn't really offend her. I want to be more like that. I'm, I'm sure you can tell me I have a long way to get. I'm still learning. I'm still trying. I'm still praying. But Dan did it very, very well. He called this guy out like I've never seen, but did it in a way that wouldn't really cause him to jump back in anger, but he would have had to have thought real long and hard about his position. And then his response, weak. He actually said in the response, this is the reverend, that you really can't find anywhere in the Bible where abortion is wrong. Wow. Now, have I got a list for you today. A long list. <clears throat> now, on July 17th of last year, maybe it was, I can't remember now, but I shared a lot of these verses, and it really made a lot of people mad. So I'm going to go over some of those verses again today, kind of quickly, and I'm going to add even more to it. Let's pray for a minute. Heavenly Father, help me. Dear Lord, my Savior, Jesus Christ, help me. <clears throat> All right. So Dan asked me for a list of some Bible verses that he can have. Because after that, two weeks ago, this past week, the United Methodist Women's Organization came out with their response of how they felt about the Texas abortion law. And they were very offended by it. I'm, I shouldn't be surprised. I shouldn't be surprised. But there are people at this church from years back that I know very well that... That's why they didn't want it here anymore. Because of them going in that direction on a lot of different issues. <clears throat> so now we got another organization or another you know, person and now an organization that have shared how they feel about it. <clears throat> Hosea, the prophet Hosea said in 4.6... My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, the, the Bible will tell you that the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. 
So would it be wise for me to never study my Bible and just to get up here and, okay, Holy Spirit, give me what to say? That wouldn't be very smart. I am instructed to study the Word, get knowledge of the Word, and then if the Holy Spirit needs me to say something, it's there and He just pulls it out. Okay? Now, Isaiah 58.1. Isaiah is instructed by God. Cry aloud. This is 58 verse 1 of Isaiah. Isaiah is to... And I believe I am to do the same. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and and the house of Jacob their sins. Am I afraid to do that? People might say bad things about me. I might hurt somebody's feelings. I'm instructed by God to cry aloud. To not leave anything out. And to make sure you understand what transgressions and sins are. And sometimes, you know, I'm speaking to myself. God gives me things because I need to know. I need to know I'm doing this wrong. This is not pleasing to God. And He hits me with those things. And I have been put in a place to where I'm instructed to present the Word of God and try not to shy away from certain issues because they're not popular or they might cause a fuss. Now, again, I've got so many scriptures. I've got so many things that I want to talk about. I don't know how I'm going to get it all in, but we're going to try. I've got everything marked right here. And I want, I want to share something with you. I want you to understand, and some of you know this very well, but abortion became legal in, in all nine months of pregnancy on January 22, 1973. In the Supreme Court decisions of Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton. Roe was Norma McCovey, McCorvey. She was Jane Roe. She is so sad for being involved in that. Have you ever heard that before? She worked at a clinic. She went into the clinic before anybody got there. She laid down in the bed, in the procedure room, and imagined what it was like to go through an abortion, and she broke down and cried her eyes out. She was interviewed by a major news organization, one of the magazines, might have been Time, I can't remember now. 23 years later, after, after 1973, and she said what she did was terribly wrong, and the whole decision was terribly wrong. Have you ever heard that before? Psalm 139, if you want to write it down, Psalm 139, 13 through 16. Psalm 139, 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect or not complete. Think about a baby being in a womb, developing. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. There's, There's one. Jeremiah. Turn to Jeremiah, or write this verse down. Jeremiah 1. The words of Jeremiah, this is, this is chapter 1, verse 1. I mean, verse, go to verse 4, <coughs> 4 through 10. <clears throat> then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. What if... Uh, this was a, according to Reverend Bill Lawrence, a problem pregnancy for Jeremiah's mom. Jeremiah is a huge amount of our Bible. Would have been a shame for him not to be born. He was formed before I was formed, before I formed thee. In the belly I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sank, I set you apart, Jeremiah, for a great purpose. Read Jeremiah sometime, and look at all the things he did, warning his nation, and they would never listen. <clears throat> I sanctify thee, set you apart, I ordain thee a prophet unto the nations, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Jeremiah, a very important person. Isaiah 49. We're going to get to a point where you're just going to have to write these down and look them up yourselves because I'm going to run out of time. So, Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 5. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from The womb from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. He and he hath made my mouth like a sharp 
sword. You know, the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh, going deep. (laughs) Finding your soul and your spirit. You know, the Word of God, if you will read it, if you will actually read it, you'll find out that it's reading you. That's why so many people avoid it. A sharp sword in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob again to him. That was, that was the purpose of Isaiah, to bring Israel back to God. <clears throat> now listen, I have talked to people, I have talked to women, one in particular, when she was in high school, she got pregnant, and to cover it up, So people wouldn't think she was bad. Her family members, grandparents who thought she was a perfect angel. You know, we don't teach. We don't teach certain things in churches because it's uncomfortable. And young girls suffer because we don't preach it. We don't teach it. And And people say, well, it's just, it's going to happen. You can't stop it. No. That is not right. God was watching out for me. I had a long-time girlfriend in high school. Her mom and her grandmother said, set her down before she started dating, said, this is what's going to happen. In detail, this is what guys will try to do, this, that, and the other. And she's sitting there shocked, like, oh my gosh. They went to church every Sunday, and they taught her what was right and what was wrong, and what you wait for marriage for. And I thank God that she was my girlfriend for two years in high school. Thank you, Lord. Then, right after high school, I started dating Michelle. We dated for almost probably two years. I can't remember now. She was brought up the same way. No chance whatsoever if... She would have came to me and said, I'm pregnant. I would have went and sat down and waited for the angel Gabriel to come in a dream and explain to me what just happened. Or we were done because I knew no way possible it could be mine. I hate to share personal stuff like that, but there are people out there that believe the word of God and live it. Why can't we have more confidence in doing that today? There is forgiveness. We serve an amazing God and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you have done. You can come to Him and get things right. You know, I I hurt that person that I'm talking about. I hurt them because 
I didn't know their past. I didn't know they had even gone through anything like that before. But that person came back to me and said, and explained to me, because they were, they were touched. I didn't do it the right way, but the Holy Spirit worked in it. And I was able to explain there is forgiveness. But you sin, and then you do an even greater sin to cover up the other sin. Imagine how devastated the grandparents would have been. They're long gone now. Would have been if they found out that the girl decided to abort, to shed innocent blood. I mean, this is serious. To do that, instead of confessing her sin and getting right with God and being forgiven, she didn't understand that her grandparents would have been way more proud of that than to have to know that because of what she thought they would think of her, she did something even worse and how devastated they would have been. Again, kids know way more than we give them credit for. So don't be embarrassed to share things with them. I rode a school bus when I was in elementary school. It's all that needs to be said. <clears throat> I want you to remember in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, Jesus is inside of Mary. That was a really important little baby in the womb. She goes to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth is six months pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary walks up behind her and says something, and the babe in Elizabeth, which is John the Baptist, leaped in her womb. He was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. In Genesis chapter 25, Rebecca. There was a war, a little mini war going on in her womb. Jacob and Esau were in there fighting with each other. She's like, what's going on? And God said, there are two nations inside of you. And they're always going to be at each other. Jacob and Esau. Two nations. Two different peoples that are, going to, that are coming out of you. Don't tell me that that baby inside the womb is not a person yet. Don't tell me that. If you try to come and argue with me, bring your Bible. Bring your Bible with you. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 6. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 6, starting with verse 16. These six things doeth the Lord hate. What? God hates things? Yes, He hates. Yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. Now, I can explain the six and the seven. It's two different ways of lying in this list. That's why it's six, because it's under the same topic. But it's two different ways of lying. But anyway, listen very closely. And this is huge. A proud look. Pride. Oh, my goodness. It is evil. And I'm seeing it today of who gets credit for what. Ah, uh, and I'm not going to go there. I'll be fuming if I go there. Pride. 
a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. That's the main, that's what I'm hitting on today. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. See, that's the two different lies. Just telling lies and then spreading false witness about another person is very bad. That happened to Jesus. Um, a false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. That's, that's people in the church trying to cause things to happen, this, that, and the other, you know, be... God hates it. Take note. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. And when thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. The first thing I read to you was Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Life. All right. Got that one done. Deuteronomy. Write down Deuteronomy. 2725. Write that down. It says, simply says, Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person. Do you, you hear what it said? That could be applied to abortion doctors and to the clinics that provide. They're making a reward off of the slaying of an innocent person. Anybody taking notes? Anybody writing these down? Deuteronomy 6. I mean, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse, it's from 6 all the way to 20. Galatians 1, 15. Paul says, He who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. Write down Psalm you can come to me afterwards. We can, you know, if you miss some of these, I can give them to you. Psalm twenty-two, ten: Thou art my God from my mother's belly. All right, First Kings. First Kings. I'm trying. I can't. I, there's no way I'm going to hit everything. So I'm trying to. Okay, I'm going to read. I'm going to read out First Kings here in a minute. But I, I want to try make sure I don't leave any of this other stuff out. Mother Teresa. Think about Mother Teresa. Awesome woman. In Calcutta. Had a huge orphan orphanage. She didn't have the means to take care of all those kids, but God always provided. She said, this is a quote from Mother Teresa, the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion or shedding of innocent blood. She also came over here during, I'm pretty sure it was Bill Clinton's administration. She came over for National Day of Prayer. She's probably about that, she was probably about that tall, four or something. 
and they had her speak, and they had a had a podium like back here, like this pulpit, and they had a crate. They sat down, and she stood on the crate so she could see over over that. And she called this nation out. That sweet little lady called us out for being a nation that makes it legal to shed innocent blood. And she finished up by saying, if you don't want your children, send them to me. If you could read that whole speech that she did, I would, I would recommend it. Uh, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. I was in elementary school when he ran. I actually voted for him because he was a peanut farmer. Second grader should not vote. No, no, it was no. I voted for Ford in second grade, but I voted for Carter when he ran against Reagan in the sixth grade because he was a peanut farmer. I voted for Ford because my dad drove a Ford. <laughs> so again, second graders and sixth graders not quite ready to vote, not quite ready. But Jimmy Carter, I think I would have really liked him. I think I would have liked him as a person. He said, I never felt that any abortion should be committed. I think each abortion is the result of a series of errors. And then another time he said, I've never been convinced if you let me inject my Christianity into it that Jesus Christ Christ would approve abortion. That's Jimmy Carter. George Mason. All right, now here, now we've talked about personal. Personal. Let me, let me share another verse. Turn to Proverbs. This is a really important one. Proverbs 24. Oh, I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible. Forgive me, you know, if you have a problem with it. Uh, the Living Bible. I always preach out of the King James. Always preach out of the King James. Here's the Living Bible. Proverbs 24, verses 11 and 12. Talking about those who are unjustly being led to their deaths. This could be applied to the Holocaust. This could be applied for someone you absolutely know is innocent of something and they're going to go through capital punishment, whatever. But it can also be applied to the unborn. Rescue those who are unjustly sentenced to death. Don't stand back and let them die. Don't try to disclaim responsibility by saying you didn't know about it. For God knows all hearts, knows yours, and He knows you New. You can't hide things from God. And He will reward everyone according to His deeds. If you don't do anything to stand up for the unborn, who. Do you realize how many babies are aborted every year in the United States? Do you have a guess? 800,000 
to one million any given year. The number one cause of death, but it's not recorded that way. The number one cause of death in America is heart disease. 655,000 people every single year die from heart disease. But at least 800,000, Joseph and I, we, we, we looked all this stuff up one night a long time ago, probably over a year ago. 800,000 to 1 million. The average for what we looked up was 1,073,000 whatever with the time period we looked up of abortions every year. Just in the United States of America. Think about that. Now, as you think about that, let me read to you what George Mason said back in 1787. You can, personally, you can go to God. You can make things right by accepting that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. His blood covered your sins. He's the only way to get to the Father. There's lots of things you need to believe. You need to be washed with the Word. You need to know what you're believing. You personally can be okay even if you have done terrible things in your life. All right? But what about a nation? What about a nation? George Mason said on August 22, 1787, this is a quote, As nations cannot be rewarded or punished in the next world, they must be in this. This nation of America can't be rewarded or punished in the next world, and you know, where we die and we go to our next place, right? Hopefully, it's with God in heaven. But the nation doesn't do that. They have to be judged here and now. By an inevitable chain of causes and effects, providence punishes national sins by national calamities. He said later, national sins bring the judgment of heaven on a country. <clears throat> That's something to think about. <clears throat> now, I'm going to have to read all these other, these, just to give you a little bit of what I'm going to read next week. We're going to have to, my, my goal was to blow your mind today. It really was. It was just to blow your mind with how much scripture is in the Bible that clearly goes against what that reverend said. Okay? I'm, i got to finish up with something else, but I, just to let you know, and you can look it up yourself. That might be a good idea. All right? In 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. This is where Solomon, you know, he, he messed up bad. He, he, he married 700 women. I mean... You don't have to be real smart to know that's going to cause some problems. He married from all kinds of different nations that God said, don't marry from those nations, and he did it anyway. He ended up in 1 Kings chapter 11, look at it yourself, he ended up, sanct he sanctified this God called Kamash, 
because one of his wives, that's who she worshipped at back where she was from. There were women who were from the Ammonites and the Moabites, and there was this god called Moloch, or Molech. It's spelled differently in different places of the Bible. Milcom is one of the names. Molech, that is a little g-god, and Solomon set up on the high places an idol for Molech and for Chemosh. Now, these two gods were worshipped by the people of the Moabites and the Ammonites. Now, do you have any idea where those two people came from? Joy does, I'm sure. When Lot left Sodom with his two daughters, the daughters came up with a plan to preserve seed from their father Lot. It's a disgusting story. And they made him drunk, and each one became pregnant by their father Lot. The first, the eldest bear Moab, and that's where the Moabites came from. The younger bear Benami, who was the father of the Ammonites. Learn from the Word of God. Solomon actually set these things up. Now, you got to go to 2 Kings 23, verses 1 through 14, and you're going to see where Josiah wiped all of that out. Why did Josiah wipe all that stuff out? What did he do? He started reigning when he was eight years old, and one day he realized we got all of the law of Moses, we got all these things that are written, and we haven't read it, and he read it all. It'd be like me opening up the Bible and said, all right, guys, I'm starting at Genesis 1-1, and we're going to go all the way through this book today. Josiah read all the word, and the people were devastated. Oh, my goodness. And then they wiped all of that stuff out that Solomon had set up. You got, you got to know what the Word of God says, and then you act on it. You don't just know what it says. You've got to read it. You've got to think about it. It's got to get into your heart, and it needs to make you, or you need to decide, I've got to do you got to do. And there's lots of things we can do. Just like Josiah did. Because he read the Word of God. I'll probably read those next week just, to, just as a, you know, just a good Bible knowledge thing. Um, you can also, well, and you can apply Proverbs uh, 24, 11, and 12, which I just read, to those stories. Because Solomon turned his head. He didn't, he just let these things happen. Josiah got it right a long time later. Now, <clears throat> Genesis. This, I'm finishing with this. this is good. We're going to be done. And then next week, come back and we'll, we'll just, if, if the Lord allows me, and I can read some of those stories, and because there's a whole lot more to it than just what I said. There's a whole lot you get out of those stories from what Solomon did wrong and what Jos- Josiah did right. In Genesis chapter 4, the second half of verse 10, we're going we're to finish with this. God said to Cain, now what had just happened? 
Cain had just killed Abel. Abel, dead. God shows up and he said, Cain, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Listen closely. If the blood of one innocent person, Abel, cries out for judgment, how deafening is the cry from 60 million innocent unborn babies killed in the United States since 1973. How deafening is the cry? Innocent blood has to be dealt with by God. It has to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for not giving up on us. Father, I pray that we will be a different people. We will start to stand up for what's right. Father, that we would know what's right because we know your word. Father, I am saddened by people who call themselves Christians who don't think we have any absolute truth. That your way is okay and that person's way is okay. And your word says that every man did what was right in his own sight. What was right in his own mind. Nothing good happens. And Father, I pray that we would be a people who know your word. We would be like Josiah and we would find your word and we would read it aloud. And we would let everyone know what it says and be bold in it. And then actually do it. Tear down the altars. Tear down the the high places and the groves. Cleanse all unholiness from your house, Father. Cleanse all unholiness from our lives and in our homes. Father, we need to be, be a people who not only knows your word, but carries it out in our everyday lives. Father, thank you for being patient. Thank you for being long-suffering. And Father, I pray for this nation. I pray that eyes will be opened and hearts will be touched. Lord, have mercy on us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.